Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Geek Rant, episode 357. Geek Rant Assemble! Recorded April 28th, 2019, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. ElementOP.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Drive Time Radio for Geeks. I am your host, Mark, rarely known as the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockerel. And joining me this week, as always, are you two stalwart co hosts, Seth the Gooey Kid Anderson and Miles the Oxygenair Wakeham. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, Mark, and welcome to the faithful Opiites um, if you're awake after that marathon. I I thought we weren't doing the the na- title thing after the names anymore. Um, d- sure. Did we talk about that? I don't remember. I just know that I'm in Ron Burgundy <laughs> mode, and that's what I do. So you got to give me something else to say. You got to put another thing on the teleprompter. Oh. I don't do recall that. anyone saying that. I just do it because you know I don't know what else to do. Yeah. Are you <laughs> going to take that away from me too? It does seem to be sort of an artifact of a of a distant time. I mean but whatever yeah so uh just a a little programming note if you hear sniffling and sneezing and coughing and uh sudden muting uh that is because i am dealing with um georgia allergies the pollening is upon us uh so i will be muting myself quite often to sneeze and blow my nose i apologize if i don't get all of that out and some of it actually makes makes it through to you Remember the burping episode? Maybe we can have something similar to that. Yeah, that that was both uh, one of our greatest triumphs and one of our greatest failures. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well. So this week is a news show, and one of the news items I want to start with right up front is Thanos broke Run P. If you're not familiar with Run P, it's one of my favorite uh, movie apps. Uh, as the t- title implies, it tells you when you can run and pee in a movie. So people watch the movie. Uh, and tell you when nothing super significant happens or when it's only dialogue and when there's no plot. So you got, at this time, you can run and pee. And then it'll give, give you an actual synopsis of, a synopsis of what you missed when you come back. So while you're peeing, you can be reading what you're missing while you're out, which is really cool. And the app has been around about 10 years. It's really grown over the years. It's got a thing now where it'll tell you, like, uh, for example, uh, Endgame, when the end of the Marvel logo runs, hit start. And it'll actually start a timer and it'll buzz when it's time to run and pee right and so you can just have your phone in your pocket and when it bi- vibrates at you you know you've got you know a couple of minutes to go run and pee and it'll tell you how long you've got and then there are things that are listed as like emergencies like you might miss something here but if you really have to pee now's the time to go well you know Endgame being a three hour movie uh, a lot of people were uh, signing on to run pee uh, and they actually broke the servers Thanos crushed the run pee servers I'm happy to say they're back up now but for the first uh, three days of the run, um, Thanos broke Run P. Wow. I mean, man, I've never heard of the site, actually. So, But I purposely, um, for six hours before the movie, I ate nothing and drank nothing. <laughs> so, And then, just to make sure, right about five minutes before time i i ran out of this theater in the last preview and then when i got back somebody had taken my seat so i had to get a different one so i was like ah but i ended up sitting a little closer which you know for that movie nothing wrong with that i only go to theaters with reserved seating anymore i just refuse to be part of the rabble i won't do it well Um, if if you go to a movie that has a start time of like you know 10 o'clock and it's just because you're driving by the theater and you're like, I'm going to stop and see if there's any non-sold out movies. And there was, so I bought a ticket and stayed. So, you know, that that's that's my planning that I put into the show. So Run B, uh, uh, while I'm doing an ad, they have an interesting payment model. Uh, it's advertiser supported. You, you need P coins to get the latest movie. Once a movie is a couple of months old, they'll release that information for free. It's on the list. But if you want the latest movie, you have to use a P coin. You can watch three video ads per P coin, or you can pay a buck for 10 P coins. Or for 20 bucks, you can get unlimited P coins. Um, so it's, an, it's a unique um, payment mo- method. I bought 20 P coins for a buck just recently, I mean, for two bucks. And so I'll be good for a while. I don't see 20 movies a year. So I'll be good for a while. Um, but hmm. in case you're wondering, in Endgame, when you see Hawkeye alone in a puddle, you got about three or four minutes to run and pee. 
what goes on there uh, isn't super important and you can afford to miss it. So there's my free, you don't have to pay a P coin for that little bit of information. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I will not protest on that one. So, so uh, there will be no spoilers on this show about Endgame other than, well, it's not a spoiler. I would just say amazing movie. Amazing movie. I, I, I don't rank movies amazing very often. This one um, was just wonderful. I loved everything about it. I will watch it many, many times. So uh, there you go. And and I've, uh, Miles and I were having, we were having this discussion before we started recording. Is that because I'm invested in these characters? Am I invested a decade in and dozen hundreds of hours of watching these movies over the last decade uh, is it just because i'm invested that i thought it was amazing so he's going to go this week and watch it he's not he doesn't really care about marvel so he's going to come back next week and tell us whether it had the same emotional punch for him and we're going to spoil the crap out of it next week so just be prepared that's our topic next week we're going to we're going to warn you all over the place if you haven't seen the movie before the show comes out next week don't listen to next week's episode okay all right, and uh, and then Seth, you saw a movie that honestly, I'm just thinking I'm going to wait for Netflix for. But you tell me if I should go see it in the theater. Shazam. Um, I enjoyed Shazam. First of all, I I enjoyed it a heck of a lot more than Captain Marvel. So I thought it was a good movie. There is a couple of places where they were very inconsistent with the logic that they set up with, but overall, it was a good movie. Um kind of the hero's journey there it wasn't just a cookie cutter kind of thing in a lot of ways it was an 80s kids movie shot in uh, or released in 2019 so i you know of course the good guys win um because you know it's a superhero movie although uh you know anyway so i thought it was a good movie i enjoyed it better than captain marvel to me, Aquaman and Shazam are breathing some life back into the DCEU, um, you know, after the debacle of Justice League, which I enjoyed watching, but wasn't a good movie. Um, Aquaman and Shazam are breathing life into it. Um, not quite as enjoyable as Aquaman, but like I say, much higher up on the list than Captain Marvel. All right. That's good to know. Uh, and then, uh, Miles, you want to go way back and talk about a 20-plus-year-old franchise in the Alien movies. Yeah, um, but not in that order. Here's the weird thing. So I'm, I'm watching YouTube this week, you know, as you do, and it sends these recommended shows. And it was one of these, like, did you, ever, did you see that movie Prometheus? No. In 2012? Yeah. No? You did? Okay. It's a Ridley Scott's an alien thing, right? But- I guess since, since about 2000, everybody got on the whole prequel thing where all these movie franchises, you had to do the what led up to the first one type movie. So um, Prometheus is the prequel to Alien. And I was, you know, I didn't even remember it, to be honest. I watched it back way back when, and I it didn't, it didn't connect. I didn't click. But I'm watching this making of, and I'm thinking, wow, that's really cool technology that they used to make this movie. Um, maybe I'll go and watch it. So I dug up my movie collection and there it was. And seven years later, I watched this movie and it stand, it stood up. It's a good movie. It's got a really amazing cast in there. I mean, it's, it's pretty cool. And it kind of made sense even to a non sci-fi, you know, genre guy like me. I, I enjoyed it. It was really good. And then after I finished it, I thought, what would it be like now to go back to 1979, having seen this prequel, and watch the first Alien movie? So I did. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Do that. It's an experience for any tech head. Because you go from 3D video, you know, high def, um, you know, amazing content to 1979 when apparently in that time we still had character-based terminals running spaceships. And it's just this amazing difference in how the world looked that was supposedly futuristic in 79 to what the world looked like, which is futuristic in 2012, as if the movie was before 1979. It's weird. It's weird. It's like this Doctor Who thing with aliens. 
Yeah, the one thing that you can always be sure of when you're predicting the future is that you'll be wrong. And okay. whatever, you know, uh, you go back to you know your 70s, your 80s movies, they've got big clunky keyboards that make lots of noise when you're typing on them, but they're just wrapped in aluminum foil, and that's the future. Our vision of the future is always a shinier vision of today or a dingier vision of today. It's basically today in all the futures uh, that we predict. Um, and, you know, here lately transparent has been the thing everything's transparent but it's essentially an ipad everybody's using an ipad in every scene in every movie that takes place a thousand years from now it's just a transparent ipad right yeah who knows what the next 10 to 20 years of movies will will appear with but uh yeah it just blows me away to see how future and the thing is it was the same director it was ridley scott in both cases so you think that there would be some continuity, but mm, nothing like it. Yeah. Well, I, I have, I'm just going to say, I've not seen any of them. The, the jump scare movie has, has not appealed to me since I was 13. And this is just a jump scare movie in space. And until yeah. somebody tells me it's not, I'm just not interested in watching any of the Alien franchise. No, I mean, I wasn't really a big fan, which is probably why I didn't even remember Prometheus. Um, I was just more curious about the movie technology or right. the vision of of this, yeah. And words we never hear Seth say, thank you, Microsoft? Yes. So um, recently at work, I joined the uh, Bing Search Reward Program uh, because, well, here's the thing. Uh, we use Skype as, um, you know, one of our communication tools. And so we have this uh, break room channel set up where it's not work related. You just do things. And so the best way to post a GIF or a meme in there is to do it from a Bing search engine. So I was like, well, what the heck? And so I earned over, it took about two months, but I actually earned an AMC $10 gift card. And so I was able to see Shazam and buy a pack of uh, M&Ms for a total of $2. So that's why I say thank you, Microsoft. So the being reward search program and, you know, and, and I was legitimately using it to come up with good gifts and memes for, uh, for the break room chat. So it wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't just, you know, searching one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten to get all my searches in for that day. I was like, ah, you know, what would be a good meme related to uh, a customer did something stupid and I would find something and I would throw it in there. And then, you know, what would be a good meme to, I think that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard and throw that in there. So thank you, Microsoft for paying for my Shazam outing. I really appreciate it. I have coworkers who I'm convinced can only speak in memes. They, they're like some sort of Egyptian hieroglyph transported into the future. They're not able to use uh, character-based language. They can only speak in memes. All right. I thought that would land a little better than that. Um, <laughs> so, oh, sounds like we've maybe lost Seth yet again. He'll be back. He will. Uh, yeah. So uh, while we wait, I'm going to go ahead and talk about the uh, – the first article that he put in there. Uh, this is a news show. Um, and honestly, I don't, I guess this is news in the sense that it's not old, but I'm not sure why anybody should care. And that is that Red Hat has now gotten the uh, the rights to Java. Okay. Hey, how did they get that? <laughs> I thought that was a Sun Oracle. Oracle. Yeah. Well, yeah. They, they bought it or took it over or if seth were here he would he'd read the article and he'd be able to tell us but uh open jdk 8 and open jdk 11 uh now belong to oracle uh and i'm not sure why anybody cares but uh they do well that's bizarre because i mean i just remember that i could never work out in my mind why oracle bought sun and to this day i mean you know what hindsight's 2020 right so to this day you look back why did they buy Sun? They, I mean, they've the, the computer hardware is basically DOA. Java, they can't make a buck out of. It was it just because they wanted to sue Google and try and extort a lot of money out of Android? Was that the whole thing? We well, you know that was for a, a good decade there. That was really the only business model that all the big guys had. 
It wasn't to innovate. It wasn't to create. It wasn't to forge forward. It was to sue the pants off of other people. And so while that sounds silly, did they buy this just for intellectual property? The answer is most likely yes. That's exactly what happened. Because we, I, I remember when this was all going on and there was a little bit of future unsure, we didn't know what was going on with Java. So OpenJDK came out and we just used that. And it was great because it was open, right? It was open source. So how are they selling it? I mean, I, I don't get this. I thought open meant we all can have it for free. The, the real question is, to me, does anybody care that Java is still around? I mean, it's legacy code, right? Um, Node.js and Python and all those other new hotnesses are the new hotness. Um, but, you know, JDK Java out there is still it's still embedded in tons of systems. I think it's, it's well on its way to being the COBOL or the Fortran of the future. I mean, there are still people who need to be able to code in those languages, even though they haven't been in active use in decades. And so Java is probably going to be like, it'll probably be generations before it is sunset fully. Um, just because, you know, it, it's, it hangs on. Things like that do hang on. Well, the, the thing with it was that um, you know, it used to be, it used to, I remember having discussions with various people in the IT, probably 10 years ago, maybe even longer. And I'd get people who were just leaving college or whatever and they were all being taught Java in college. That was like CompSci was a – Java was the standard educational language of choice then. And people would come to me and go, well, what language should I learn where I can get, you know, a good-paying job? Like what's where's the money out there? And um, Java used to be the money. You, you know, if you were an enterprise Java Beans type guy, you could command good six-figure income as a software developer – um, but eventually everyone started to realize, particularly when the browsers started shutting off all the, the uh, Java um, SDK stuff in the browsers, that Java wasn't going anywhere. And all the people who wanted it to go somewhere wanted it to go somewhere because they had a vested interest in trying to get a six-figure job out of it. Um, I don't know. I mean, look, programming language choices is like a religious thing. You're going to get programmers yelling and screaming, well, yeah, but it's blah, blah, blah. But the reality is these days, I don't know who actually hires Java developers anymore. Seth, what are your thoughts? Uh, I, I thought, you know, I look at how Oracle – I don't know. I think Oracle hated Java and they thought, you know, we're good at killing stuff. So let's, uh, let's acquire that and kill it. And now that we've like, you know, dissected the corpse and took out everything we wanted, let's just kind of throw the carcass out there and the open and the community goes, man, remember when Java was awesome, let's keep it around. And so that's what they're trying to do. So, you know, maybe, maybe there's resurrection and then their bones, um, or bits, I guess would be a better thing. Or, you know, maybe it's just, you know, people need to do their grieving and the open source community does their <laughs> grieving by, uh, attempting to maintain a project <laughs> past its point of viability. Well, you know, Seth, while you were out, we had the discussion that maybe the only reason that Oracle ever bought Sun was for the intellectual rights to sue somebody. Uh, and I, I commented that that was, you know, that was big business. That was the main business for a while there. And and maybe I misspoke in that for a while there. Maybe it's still the thing because people who can't take down Apple for on the business of actual hardware and software are trying to sue them because they want a piece of their money without actually doing anything. Well, it's not that without doing anything you see because the crux of the lawsuit is hey apple was um hiding the fact that the iphone sales were declining and because they were hiding the news and they were manipulating uh reports to make their stock price go up so they could attract investors and you know unfortunately that gets it out of the fanboy realm and into the legal realm where lawyers got involved and the lawyers think well you know i've i've already lost some money so let me see if i can recoup some of it and you know no, I'm bored. I haven't had a good trial these days. Nobody <laughs> wants to go to East Texas to sue anybody. So let's see if we can't get a lawsuit together. And so that's what happened here. So no, there's, I'm sorry. Ahead. No investor has lost money on Apple. They just haven't. They may have lost money in the last quarter. 
no investor has lost money on Apple. I think lawsuits like this are specious beyond belief because Apple has done nothing but pad the pockets of anybody who came near it for decades. And I'm not an Apple fanboy. I'm just telling you that's the way it is. And now they're trying to get you know their quarterly profits out of lawsuits instead. Well, that's the lawsuit is only open to people who purchase between November the second and January the second. So it's during that quarter that Apple was manipulating the data to make it appear that the market was up and to the right instead of uh, or up and to the left instead of down and to the left. So if they were manipulating and putting out false information, which I don't know how you'd be able to prove that because it's all advertising anyway. But if they were putting out false information, then, Hey, you know, might as well sue them too. Um, but so, you know, like I say, it's not just anybody, it's, uh, open to a certain subset of people. And yeah, do I think they have a leg to stand on? Not really, but you know, um, did I think somebody would make a million dollars because they spilled hot coffee on themselves? Yeah, I didn't think yeah. that would happen either. So, um, deep pockets. Yeah. That's all yeah. this is. It's deep pockets. I mean, all you've got, look, anybody out there who is, um, who hasn't gone out into the real world and realized that people don't buy, that phones are not such a hot thing anymore, like everybody's got one and they're kind of boring, would realize, of course, the iPhone sales are declining in the same way that Samsung sales are declining and Motorola sales are declining because phones are just an assumed article now. They're not, you know, you don't need to spend $1,500 for the latest phone People are starting to work that out. And consequently, yeah, sales will decline. I don't think Apple hit that. I mean, I heard Apple saying constantly that, you know, where our you know, third quarter earnings of blah, blah, blah is lower. iPhone sales are not as strong as they once were. Yeah, okay, go and invent something new, Apple. Well, they can't. Steve Jobs is gone. Yeah. And without About him to that. steal ideas from engineers, they got nothing. Yeah, well, that's yeah, the problem. What is it? Yeah, nobody else is inventing anything new, so Apple can come along and tweak it and claim the glory. So now Apple's hit their desperate period. They're def- desperate. Um, they bought Beats. What on earth does that have to do with Apple? A set of headphones. Brand come recognition. They, that's all it's about. They made a bunch of hip hop guys, or they're all starry eyed over, rich and and even more famous for having billions of dollars. Give me a break. And and you know the year is still young. It's only the not quite May, but I think Softpedia News gets the the award for best headline of 2019. I'm just going to read it because I can't do better. Microsoft Live Tile Service hacked as the company forgot it existed. Yeah, that was, um, you know, okay, so Microsoft did a lot of things that don't work. Um, and so this was one more thing they did with Windows 8. You could kind of do live tiles. It's whoever whoever dreamed up Active Desktop is still in the company. Or, you know, maybe it's a group of hackers who dreamed up Active Desktop and no one at Microsoft really did it. It just showed up in Windows and then, you know, material showed up in the marketing department. So they went with it. That's probably a good theory so anyway eight the eight one start screen had these live tiles where you could like get the website and show data on there and then they depreciated the service but they didn't turn it off and so this guy found that he could basically register the entire azure azure um, but as your subdomain and take it over and then some, and then somebody pointed out to Microsoft and they go oh crap let's actually delete that this time but yeah I thought that was a great title as well <laughs> <laughs> and, and really, the 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 amount of harm that could have been done by this is almost zero. Because while there are systems out there running those live tiles, you would have had to have a custom live tile made by this, and you would have had to have that custom live tile captured. Um, you know, so it's a fun story, but probably not a real thing. Yeah, no, no, no harm was done. Well, I, you know, there's there's one person out there probably who, right. No, I'm sorry. I can't even say that. Never. 
So it's it's kind of trendy these days to to dump on big companies. You know, we've we've just dumped on Apple and Microsoft and Sun all in one shot here, and Amazon is no stranger to that. And uh, lately, I have found myself being a Prime defender, a defender of the Prime service. I happily pay my hundred plus dollars a year. I don't even know what it is now. It, whatever it is, I pay it happily. It's gone up uh, a couple of times, and people say, you know, it's just not worth it. So Amazon uh, threw the the hammer down and said, you want us to to prove that we're we're worth it how about one day delivery by default i i mean there was a time <laughs> patience was a virtue and not one of the seven deadly sins um I, I don't know i think it is it's ridiculous uh one day i mean the reason okay they're coming out with one day and so this means that they're going to jump the price of prime up again soon to make up for this they're like throwing these things in there and then increasing the value to justify it so or you know these are justifications for future um value or price hikes and it's not something that is needed uh i don't know that i agree with you on that but i i'm not going to argue just yet miles what do, what do you think uh, my head's spinning because at some point, what are they going to do? Like, you you think you need something and blink and the thing's at your door? Is that the next step? I mean, I, okay, look, I'm, let me expand upon where I'm weirding out over this whole thing. So I'm, I'm watching a, a story um, on YouTube this morning of a – God, I'm going to sound old and crotchety, and I don't mean to, but it just is bizarre. This is a person who I follow who happens to live in in Mexico, and, uh, you know, we're thinking of buying some property down there, so it was kind of of interest to me. And it's a a young couple that have a a kid. I think the kid's like maybe three or four-year-old. And they went down to Mexico, and uh, the, the husband works as a sort of a digital nomad, and the wife produces YouTube videos, and she's actually quite good at it. But they decided on a whim that they wanted to go to Tokyo one day. Now, I don't know why, but they filmed this whole, you know, trip to Tokyo. So, you know, how do they do it? Well, they they go on this internet site and they book the tickets, and then they go here onto Uber to get to the airport, and then they, they book the hotel on Expedia or whatever it is. Everything's like this internet experience it's like this wasn't a trip to tokyo this was follow the url from one thing to another to another but it was just like well this is how this is how the kids do it now okay fair enough i get that um they get to tokyo after flying for 13 hours and they pull their phone out to order an uber and they don't realize that it's going to cost them 400 US dollars to go from the airport to Tokyo because they didn't think to look ahead. <laughs> they didn't plan anything ahead. They end up trying to find a train that puts them out in the middle of Osaka somewhere. They end up lo- getting in the wrong place and, they, and they've flown with a small kid for 13 hours and now they're going to spend the next 10 hours fumbling around trying to work out where do I go, what train, whatever. They eventually, after like 10 or 12 hours, get to a hotel, land there. They're poor kids in tears. They're, they're absolutely destroyed. What do they do? Well, they want to eat something because they're hungry. What, what would you think was their first thing that they would do to eat something? Grubhub. Yeah, well, Uber Eats in this case, but yeah, come on. At some point, life is not a URL. And Amazon's plans to make prime shipping one day extends the life is a URL. I don't have to plan anything ahead of time. I don't need to know where I am or look at a map. God forbid what that is, a piece of paper, please. I've got Google Maps. This is, this is the world we're living in, people. It's this crazy URL-infused experience that isn't really an experience. The Get Off My Lawn segment brought to you by Miles Wickham. <laughs> really? <laughs> so uh, I'm going to rebut a couple of those things. Uh, Miles, suck it up. That's life. Um, yeah, you that's are a relic. Right. You are a dinosaur. That's the way it is. <laughs> Seth, uh, this is not justification for raising the price. Um, they may, in fact, they will probably raise the price, but only because things get more expensive. 
Jeff Bezos, I heard him on a podcast interview like a decade ago. Uh, and this is a man who um, is known for for having a thing and following it through. I, I'm sure his focus has not changed in the decade since I heard this interview. He said that Amazon is not competing with Walmart. They're not competing with, with um, anybody else. They're competing with your um, grocery list. They want to make it so that it's easier to purchase it than to put it on the list to purchase later. And that's their goal. And that's what they're moving for. Uh, and in fact... In my life, they're really close to that now. Uh, I still do put some things on the grocery list, but not many. I just go to, I just say, you know, hey, Echo, buy this thing. Or I go to my phone and do it. It's easier to order it and have it tomorrow. And, you know, the one-day delivery is going to be the default. One-day delivery in a metro area like Atlanta has been happening for a long time now. Uh, And now they're just going to make it the promise instead of the bonus. Uh, so I just think this is just Amazon, Jeff Bezos' focus for the last decade has been to uh, make things so easy to buy that you don't even write down that you need it, you just buy it. And when you get into that mode, it's it's not about increasing how much you pay for Amazon Prime, it's about increasing your consumption. Studies have shown time and time again that the easier something is to purchase, the more likely you are to purchase it. People buy up to 30% more, um, or maybe it's more than that, but I think it's 30% more when they use a credit or debit card than they do in cash because it's so easy and they don't think about it. This is just that trend continuing. This is um, data mind, psychology mind, uh, behavior modification to the to the really fine degree where Amazon says, if we can take to use miles point you're planning out of it uh if if we can just make this so easy to purchase and and just be in your routine that you don't even check the price anymore you just know that it's convenient you're paying for convenience and um you know i'm almost the 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 toad that's been cooked i'm 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 not quite there but i'm really close in that you know i am so in the amazon ecosystem that i just order things because i want them you know i was in my shop i was working on a project i'm almost out of wood glue I yelled at the Echo device that is adjacent. It's not in my shop, but it's in the room adjacent to it. said, order wood glue. And the next day, a gallon of Type Bond 3 wood glue appeared on my doorstep. And that'll last me probably a year, right? But it was just that, it was that convenient. I didn't compare prices. I didn't think, I just thought, I need the glue. There's a device that can get me the glue. And now I have the glue. So I don't think this is pure justification for raising the price. I think it is just the the, the mission that Amazon has been on. They want to be the everything store. I just, I don't know. You know, I mean, on the one hand, yes, you can get stuff faster. But, I mean, dear Lord, do we, do we need it that fast? No, we don't. And we, we lost something today. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, speaking of losses, how about Google Fiber promising gigabit fiber to cities all throughout the country and then not delivering on that promise? Uh, they've pulled out of Louisville and wrote a big check to Louisville, maybe, but it's a it's a penny pocket change to, to Google for the privilege. Yeah, so they... Um yeah, they're exiting Louisville uh, to the tune of $3.8 million plus... Um, contributions to nonprofits in the area. So, you know, I don't know, you know, the, this is the problem with things, uh, companies like Google, Hey, we're so big, we're going to do this. And, Oh, this is harder than we thought it would be Bye, y'all. Um, so, (laughs) you know, and so we're, people are left stuck with, you know, who are the, who are the two, um, Satan and Misfito, um, that were left or I'm sorry, <laughs> AT&T and charter. So, you know, pretty, pretty similar there, um, are still offering broadband in Louisville. So, you know, Google had the promise and, you know, they're banking. It's like, welcome to Google where our model used to be do no evil, um, is, you know, and so they're just really treading and trying to draw all the capital they can out of that. I don't, they, they, they could have, they could have been a contender, but instead they chose to just exit out of this. And so if I were in a city where they currently offer it, I would be, I would be very terrified that, you know, it would be gone because this isn't their business. They were just like, Hey, somebody told us we can make a hundred million. We're only going to make 50 million. That's not worth it. We're out of here. And you know, the consumers are left holding the bag. Well, this is, this is 5g. 
all over is that this is what's going to happen. 5G is killing the cable business, whether it's fiber or coax, it's killing it. Um, you get a gigabit over a, a 5G connection, what do you need uh, a, a cable in the ground for? And I think Google just came face to face with the fact that they didn't get this done fast enough and technology, you know, leapfrogged them. I'm going to be big company defender. Apparently, that's my role today. Um, I think that Google never actually intended to be an ISP. They intended to force ISPs to get off their butts. And it worked. I have gigabit uh, internet right now. I'm coming to you over a gigabit Wi-Fi connection uh, or internet connection from AT&T that would not have existed if Google Fiber hadn't been a thing. Because the other companies had no reason to... um, to innovate they had no reason to improve their services google fiber gave them a reason and and yeah they they've made some people mad they've made some mistakes absolutely but i think end goal achieved google uh, google uh, gigabit internet exists now because of google even whether or not google delivers it for places where google was going to come to for the rest of the country there's no great rush to do gigabit uh, you know that's true it is uh a metropolitan thing but it is much more popular much more spread about and uh, miles i i think uh 5g is still a few years out uh but we have definitely seen the uh increase in competition cause the other people to get off their butts and do something google was always about going to lose money on this proposition uh, i think now they just decided that you know mission accomplished and they're going to pull out I am noticing a lot more 5G in the news, though. Um, the first thing, well, hey, my uh, IndyCar guy, Will Power, number 12 here on my hat, um, his car uh, livery for the Indy 500 this year is Verizon with 5G on his car. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're pushing that thing like crazy. Um, I've seen a lot of news stories about Huawei selling uh, 5G uh, technology modems and routers and whatever else um, in Canada and how there was some concerns about security. But again, it was pretty much like they're the only player in that sort of backbone technology area at this point. It's like it's starting to become a very common, um, you know, kitchen table discussion, even though it doesn't exist. I mean, they're selling 5G phones. They're very expensive and there's no service to back them up, but they've already begun offering, Samsung's offering 5G phones through Verizon now. Um, This is, somebody wants to be the first cab off the rank because they want to get that early adopter um, advantage. And I think Verizon are pushing it really hard. I think that's pushing everybody else to push it really hard. And it may be that it's not so much a few years. It could be a 12-month thing. I hope you're right. I don't think you are, but I'd love to be proven wrong on this. I, the the 5G quote unquote that we're seeing right now is really just 4GE. It's enhanced 4G. There isn't actually any 5G hardware available. The phones that they're selling you are 5G capable, 5G enabled. They're they're using special language like that. They're not actual 5G, and you know because the hardware doesn't exist in in terms of handsets or transmitters on any wide scale yet. But yeah. Um, Maybe by, you know, Christmas next year, maybe you'll be right. But uh, I hope you are. Yeah, more options, the better for everyone. Right. Uh, and once, you know, the gig seems to be sort of the standard right now. That's the the, the thing everybody's looking for. Uh, once, once gig is available everywhere, um, then, you know, the other guys have no choice but to innovate. Uh, they have no choice but to do something. And that's the thing. As long as you're the best guy, uh, the biggest gorilla in the room, uh, then there's no reason to to do anything. And and I'm glad to see some competition come from somewhere. It's great. Now, if somebody could compete with Disney, that would be awesome. But so far, nobody can. And just to to you know um, make things worse, they're going to pull all their stuff off of all their own streaming services and cause uh, do a Disney Plus streaming service, which means now I have to pay an extra 10 bucks a month because my daughter has to watch Marvel stuff. Well, and lucky for you, it's only an additional six ninety nine a month. So um, it's going to start November the 12th, apparently. And the reason we're putting it on the news is because it was officially announced like um, what was the, the 19th. So since we didn't do a show last week, this is the first show where it's been official. And so, you know, they're going to have tons of movies and all of this. So 
you know, it's like there's already the freaking Disney Channel and Disney Radio and, you know, ESPN and Marvel and now most of Fox. Um, dear Lord, now there's another streaming service. So, you know, how is Netflix going to compete? Because, you know, you have CBS pulled their stuff out. Warner Brothers tried to do their own thing. And so the the great aggregator that Netflix was where it had to deal with all these other places and everybody could contribute and get some money. Now all these other places are doing their own thing and it's ridiculous. I mean, you know, so Netflix and Amazon are producing their own content, some of which is okay. Uh, some of it is just to fill storage space. And, you know, so dude, you, you now have, you pay for cable and then you pay for HBO and Showtime and Skinamax and Disney and CBS and ESPN go and Netflix and Hulu. And I mean, you know, and then you wonder why there's no money left over to go into retirement account because you've got all of these <laughs> recurring charges on your bill. And, uh, you know, and so, and then, and then we gripe at the government because, everything is so expensive. Well, the reason everything's so expensive because we waste our money on frivolous crap like this. And because people are going to get this, there's going to be some other company, you know, Oh, I forgot to mention YouTube has their paid option as well. So, um, there, all of these other, there's just one more company going to come with one more monthly charge to take more money out of your pocket so that you're in debt. And because willpower and patience and all of these things are drained out by stuff like next day shipping from Amazon. Sorry, Mark, I had to take the dig. Um, you know, <laughs> you, you have no willpower left to say no to this. So well, wow. Seth, Seth just blamed Disney for the downfall of our civilization. That's a that's a pretty good uh, leap in logic there, Seth. Uh, but because Disney is opening their own streaming service, there's no hope for our country. No, I didn't say it was the cause. I said it is the um, it's a symptom of the problem. So this but is if exactly you say the cause. The con- go for it. <laughs> this is what the content creators want, though. They want direct, you know, from kitchen to table kind of. Uh, support. They want to be able to distribute their content with minimal middlemen to your TV. And the cable industry for so many decades controlled anything that they could produce and, and who was going to get exposure. And now all of a sudden they've got options. We've got, you know, cable uh, providers who would cancel show X and Netflix picks it up or Amazon picks it up. Um, it's great for everybody. But you're right, the pricing... The whole idea of being a, quote, cord cutter was to save money to get off cable. The uh, combined cost of all these individual services is probably more than your cable bill was. And uh, there's also no guarantee that this $6.99 a month subscription will stay that way. Um, they, I find out this week my YouTube TV subscription, which started off at 35 bucks, is now 50 bucks. So... I'm not saving any money off my old direct TV service anymore. So I don't know. This is, this is not going as planned. No, I've, I've always been careful to caution people about the saving money on cord cutting. This has never been a money saving thing. It it has always just been about getting what you want, where you want it. Um, it's, it was never going to cost any less. Um, it you know it just got us in there for uh, a little bit. I, I'm still you know one of the few guys in the world that actually goes to the store and buys DVDs for this reason, because then I can have them, and they're in my collection. And if I want to go back and watch a movie from 1979 like you did, Miles, I have that option. Um, if if you're depending on your streaming things, you know I mean Netflix as good as it's always been, everything goes away from Netflix eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know how this Disney thing is going to be. Um, I wonder if that means they're not going to sell their stuff on iTunes and Google play anymore. I, I don't think that's what that means, but it may be, it may be that if you want it online, you go to Disney plus to get it. Um, if you don't want it online, you go buy the DVD or the Blu-ray. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Uh, but this is just, you know, the way the world is going to work these days. It's the captive portal all over again. It's the landing page. Remember when everybody, every company had a landing page and you had to go there? This, they're just trying to re-aggregate that. Everybody wants their own, their own part of the universe. Yeah, well, and you said you go to, but how long until the next Disney thing isn't available on DVD? And the only choice is? Yeah, we'll see. That may be the case. 
Yeah, I got a movie a couple of weeks ago on Amazon Prime Video, and uh, great, I want to keep this movie. I want to add it to my collection. I can't. Right. There's a download option, but it only plays on Amazon's players right. until just, they decide to not do that anymore. Yeah. You just have to trust that that'll be there, that the company won't go out of out of business or just change their rules arbitrarily. Uh, yeah. it's, it's a much more trust-based society than it ever has been in terms of digital media. Yeah, you hear that, Google? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nobody trusts Google anymore because, yeah. you know, like Google Fiber, they just, they just dump the baby out with the bathwater anytime they feel like it. Yeah, yep. Google Plus, bye-bye. And really, I guess the only thing left to say about this is, Seth, what happened this week in history? All right. Well, I wanted to, you know, and this is probably the root cause of the downfall of Western civilization here. Um, on April the 28th of Aught 3, iTunes Music Store was launched. So Apple Computer launches the iTunes Music Store. The store sells music for 99 cents a song for use with the Apple iPod and iTunes software. While it's not the first service to sell digital music, it becomes the first to gain widespread popularity. The service, it ends up becoming an instant success selling well over 1 million songs in its first week and it goes on to change and revolutionize the music industry forever the itunes music software is now the number one music retailer in the united states it surpassed walmart in 2008 and western history began to topple uh this day mark and now back to you and Seth, i could tell that was clearly written in your voice those that was your copy you didn't copy that from any other uh source it was was seth's voice i scour Um, the interwebs (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that was you know whether you like apple or not history did change that day and and irrevocably we'll never go back to the way things were good or bad i don't you know i'm not even going to make that point but absolutely um this date in history the world changed yeah Yeah, to quote uh franklin go ahead miles I was going to say, if you remember what life was like in 03, and we used to have the little iPods or other MP3 players or whatever, the dominant way you got content back then was Napster mm-hmm. or LimeWire or whatever it was back then. And it, no artist was getting any any revenue. Me, mind you, they weren't getting any revenue from record sales either. That was all going into some lawyer's pocket in the, in the major uh, record industry. But... Um, this was supposed to be the great equalizer where we could get the convenience of easy access to everything we ever wanted and the artists would get paid. And it didn't quite work out. Yeah, well, they are making more money than they did. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, to quote uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, a day that will live in infamy. Yes. April 28th, 03. You know, uh, what's the what's the girl Taylor Twi- Taylor Swift is big mm-hmm. about not allowing her stuff to any streaming because she says it it devalues the music. Um, but the fact is, they're making more money now than they did in two thousand two. They're still not getting stinking rich off of it, but they're making more money now than they did in two thousand two. And since then, they've just learned that the money is to be made on the merch and the and the ticket sale. That's why I used to be able to go to rock shows for twenty bucks, and now the parking is twenty bucks and the tickets are are a hundred bucks. Um, yeah. They just found a different way to make their money. But it's like we've gone back 100 years before the actual invention of the recorded media device, you know, any form. Um, musicians used to travel around and play concerts. That's how they did things. Um, we just returned back to that because, yeah, they can record everything, which is great. But at the end of the day, they want to make their live show a more interesting experience. So, um, you know, the record gets a meh kind of amount of yeah. attention and the show gets uh, the whole nine yards. And, of course, the, the concept of what a live show is doesn't mean anything anymore because much of what you hear at a live show isn't live. Right. But that's a whole different discussion. Uh, so, Seth, what do you have this to, to close out this week in style? Okay, well, I don't know about in style, but I came across this um, YouTube channel the other day. Um, and so, this is an actual, he's an actual trial attorney. And so, he does several things. He has recently started uh, reviewing and reacting to movies or films or televisions about lawyers so this is him reacting to my cousin Vinny. so he'll play a scene or whatever stop and then tell you how that scene was realistic 
to uh, actual trial law or not. And, you know, some other things on there to kill a mockingbird and a few good men and stuff like that. So I thought it was an interesting show. Uh, it was about, what, 25 minutes, I think. So, um, but anyway, just a lawyer reviewing TV shows and movies about the legal profession and, you know, showing how, you know, how accurate it is. So I thought it was interesting and I thought I would share it with you guys and all well, the youths out there. So, yeah, that is one of my favorite movies of all times. Yeah. Um, and of course, we all know that it's garbage in terms of the legal. <laughs> and actually, interesting. No, actually, you know, it, it's it's like one of his favorite movies, and he says it holds up very well. And you know, there's certain sections that he pulls out and goes, "You could take this scene right here and show it in school to what an opening argument should be," kind of stuff. So you know, and and so anyway, interesting show. I thought I thought y'all yeah I thought y'all might enjoy it. Would you care to rebut everything that guy there just said? Is yeah. Uh, anyway. With, with the exception of thank you, everything <laughs> stricken from the record. I uh, I feel that I have quoted that particular line. Everything that guy just said is is BS. Um, that is the state of political discourse in the world today. You know, um, guy stands up, makes a cogent argument. Another guy stands up and says everything he just said is BS. The crowd applauds, and that's his whole argument. That's how Ocasio Cortez gets voted into power. You know, Mark, we were having fun. <laughs> you just said, you just told blame Disney for the downfall of the country, and when I talk about political discourse, suddenly I'm the downer in the room. No, it was who yeah. you talked about. Sorry, yeah, okay. I, I thought it, I thought that was self evident. All right. So uh, this is the part of the show where I tell you how you can feed back to us. If you want to know uh, how, if you want to make your presence known, um, you can do that by going to elementop.com. Click the contact us button at the top of the page, answer the world's hardest captcha and fill out the form that you see there. That will send an email to my inbox that gets priority over everything else. In spite of my many, many Amazon packages incoming and all the tracking information they send me, I will read your email first. If you do that, you can also send an email uh, directly uh, by emailing uh, geekrant at elementop.com uh, or you can uh, dial, dial us up and leave us a voicemail at 559-IMOP um, and leave us a Google voice uh, message there as long as Google continues that service. we you know It, it could be any day now um, and, and we'll do that. Um, so uh, we appreciate you for being on the show, Seth Miles, as always. Uh, yeah, you just read the the. Uh, no, never mind. Um, uh, I thank you guys for being here with us. Uh, this um, is one of the highlights of my week every week, uh, and uh, you know, thanks for doing it, listener. Uh, Jenna, thank you for being in the chat room as always. Uh, listener, thank you for listening, and uh, that's it for this episode of the Geek Rand. We'll see you next week, and remember, pay for what you like.